Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred. As always, we're coming to you with uh, another episode this week. We're reviewing last week and taking a look ahead to the, the, the weekend advance here, which is Christmas weekend. We got week 16 action. I try to keep the episode a little bit brief for everybody. I know it's been pretty crazy with uh, the holiday schedules here. I wanted to make sure we still got a show out with you. Uh, and I do apologize for the delay as well. There were some issues with the, the COVID games getting pushed. I wanted to make sure we include them in this episode. So as promised, we'll jump right into our storylines here. Jumping right into our storylines for week 15. And week 15 was an absolutely crazy week just, just before we get into it. And all the, the COVID uh, inactives and the just randomness of all these games getting moved and what happened, it had to end up pushing our pod back here, so we apologize for that. But really, it just kind of made this whole disaster effect, and there was some pretty crazy outcomes as a, as a result. And our number one storyline right off the bat here is actually going to be one of them. It's going to be the Saints continue being a thorn in the side of the Buccaneers as they win 9-0. to So heading into the week, the MVP favorite, Tom Brady was taken on division rival New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints have played the, the Buccaneers fairly tough lately uh, in the last few meetings that they've had since Tom Brady's been there. But I don't think anybody really expected this. A complete defensive showdown. Tom Brady was almost melting down on the sidelines. He's, he's cursing out opposing coaches. And the, the Saints get a hard-fought battle, uh, and they get the win, 9-0, to on the road at Tampa Bay. Uh, really, when you take a look at the stat line, it not much good about this game. There's only 514 yards of combined offensive yardage, uh, 212 for the Saints, 302 for the Buccaneers. And really, when you look at the other side of things, the, the turnover battle, the Saints win it. They win uh, plus two, and the, the Buccaneers are minus two. They had a fumble loss and interception thrown. And like I said, it wasn't one of Tom Brady's best games. I don't think that this is a, a trend for the Buccaneers, but it Nonetheless, it sets them back slightly when they're when you're talking about the, the race for the number one seed and all this stuff inside the NFC. And on the flip side, the Buccaneers are faring extremely well after this. Or excuse me, the Buccaneers, the Saints, ex- extremely well. This kind of gives them the leg up in that like six, seven seed territory. So they really did themselves some big time favors here, getting a big win like this on the road. So Saints roll over the Buccaneers as our number one storyline. And then, I don't know about anybody else, my number two storyline for last week, and it, to me it was absolutely crazy as it was coming down, is going to be the Lions just busting up the Cardinals, uh, winning 30-12. to And really it wasn't much of a game. It was 17 to nothing at halftime. And they continued their scoring. Uh, they, they came out and they scored again after the half. They were uh, up, I think it was like 24-6 to at one point, 24-3, uh, to something like that. And it, it, it looked like it wasn't a game for most of it. Uh, really, uh, the, the Detroit Lions, like a, they were extremely efficient. They took care of the ball. Uh, it's, it's basically what you'd expect out of a Dan Campbell coach team here. They only had one turnover, so the turnover margin was, it was pretty much even here. It's one for one. Each team had one. But really what it comes down to here for the Arizona Cardinals and the Detroit Lions is, is red, zone, red zone efficiency, red zone scoring. So when you're, when you're getting in and the money downs there, in the money area of the field where you want to punch a rock in, get some points on the board, you got to be able to capitalize. You can't take field goals. You can't take missed opportunities. 
and really that that's that's what it comes down to here the Detroit Lions made the most of those opportunities the Arizona Cardinals did not and really the Arizona Cardinals have it's been two back-to-back weeks that they've looked disappointing and last week wasn't as concerning as this week uh when you lose to a team that's got a bottom three bottom four roster in the league uh that's a huge red flag especially this time of the year when you're getting so late in the year when you want to start making a big push and make big playoff push and getting ready for uh what what's to come down here with the playoffs and they're trying to win the nfc west crown and then now they're like in a thick of a race here with the, the los angeles rams so it's going to be a, a fairly interesting few stretch weeks for the arizona cardinals as they they're continuing to falter out of the gate here and the detroit lions just any win here is just a moral victory for them it's a it's a win under dan campbell's belt shows that these guys are buying in so i'm i'm good with it either way but huge win for the detroit lions huge loss for the arizona cardinals which is going to take us right in to our third game of the week here, or excuse me, our third storyline of the week here. And it's going to be the Green Bay Packers taking the NFC North crown, uh, beating down the Baltimore Ravens this week. So the Packers jump out to an early lead. I think they were leading like 31 to 13, 14 at one point. And they end up letting the Ravens kind of snake back into this one. And on, on a complete side note here, Tyler Huntley looked absolutely great uh, for a guy that's just a spot start filling guy this was a guy that wasn't even drafted he's undrafted out of Utah and like he's he's played some spot minutes here and there and this Packers defense is a top 10 defense and Huntley was absolutely phenomenal he was 28 for 40 215 yards two touchdowns 73 on the ground and another two like that's great that's the that's the best case scenario for a backup quarterback in the NFL so hats off to him but really the name of the game here is Packers jump out to an early lead behind the arm of Aaron Rodgers. He even missed a couple in this one. There was a shot to Devontae really early in the game that normally he's money on, and he misses them. But he still ends up with 268 and three touchdowns. And as always, extremely efficient, extremely uh, careful with the ball. And really, uh, when we're taking a look at this, it, it was a fairly even match game, obviously decided by the score here. But what it comes down to is, once again, is it comes down to this two-point play at the end that John Harbaugh decides to, hey, I'm, I'm playing, I'm, I'm batting above my weight here. I'm, I'm, I'm swinging up. I'm, I got scoring distance here. I get the two-point. I win. Let's do it. Let's go for it. And it ends up coming back to bite them in the rear end here. But the, the Packers, nonetheless, get a huge win. They are crowned the NFC North champs. Uh, they're the first team to clinch a playoff berth, I believe, in the NFL, and they're now in the driver's seat for the one seed. So hats off to them. They're looking really great. They're looking like quite possibly the best team in the NFL, missing probably about half of their starters, David Bakhtiari, Billy Turner, uh, Jair Alexander, uh, Zadarius Smith. Tons of these guys have not played any snaps or very little snaps this year, and they're going to start getting hot here once these guys start coming back and getting acclimated. So big win for the Green Bay Packers. And the Ravens are still sitting on the outside looking in now for the playoff picture. Which takes us into our fourth storyline from the past week. And it's going to be the Colts controlling the Pats. And they end up getting a huge win. I believe it was 27-17. to Has huge playoff implications. And this was the uh, home the home team here in the Indianapolis Colts gets the dub. But uh, really what I thought was the most impressive thing, and I actually tweeted this out as the game was going, is the Colts are playing like a team, but they have nothing to lose. They're playing like the playoffs started last week, and they're fighting for their lives every single week. And 
couldn't be more true. They're still fighting. They're still giving everybody everything they got, every single snap. And it's very evident. They pound the rock. Like better, they're, they're probably the best running team in the NFL. They have the best running back in the NFL at this moment. I know that for sure. And really, they take care of the football. Uh, Mac Jones ends up throwing a couple picks that come back to, to kind of bite them in the rear end. But really, the name of the game here is Jonathan Taylor. I know he had a big run at the end to seal it. He ends up with 170 yards and a touchdown. And the big thing for Carson Wentz is take care of the football. And he did have an interception in this one, but he's been extremely well with the football over this this stretch run where they've, they've kind of rattled off some of these wins. And he didn't have to do much in this game. Is kind of reflective of Mac the other week, but he has, he's 5 for 12, 57 yards and a touchdown interception. So... I mean, as long as he's not turning the ball over, they're going to be in every single game with how well this defense is playing on the other, for the Indianapolis Colts and taking the ball away, and really with how Jonathan Taylor runs the ball. So, big win for the Colts, and it, it firmly puts them in the AFC playoff picture as they kind of been chasing it pretty much most of the year. They finally get caught up. For our fifth and final storyline from the, the past weekend of football games here, it's going to be the, the Chiefs outlasting the Los Angeles Chargers in their overtime showdown where they won 34 to 28 and this is actually a really good game I know there's been a terrible slate of Thursday games as, as as usual like there's never really much competition on Thursday night but this ends up being a really good divisional showdown and it was it was honestly for the leader in the AFC West clubhouse and Patrick Mahomes comes out on top uh, he really uh, had to work for a lot of his yardage a lot of the stuff close to the line of scrimmage not a lot of deep shots which is kind of that uh Los Angeles philosophy that a lot of other teams have stole to try to play the uh, Chiefs lately. And Mahomes ends up with uh, 410 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Uh, they really didn't do much on the ground. Their leading rusher, Edwards Alaire, 32 yards on nine carries. And if we flip the script here, the Chargers, uh, Herbert goes for 236, two touchdowns and a pick. And on the ground, they end up going for almost 150, 160 yards here. And actually, if we get the exact number here, the team stats. They're pretty even in yardage. Uh, Chiefs end up edging them out with about almost 500 yards. Chargers sitting at about 430. But the rushing yardage, uh, Chargers really outgained them on the ground, 192 yards. So, yeah, it wasn't even really in the ballpark there. And 86 by the Chiefs. And there was there was quite a few turnovers in this one. They end up being even, but they both get two turnovers. And really the, the name of the game here is it's been under a lot of discussion lately as well, too, is the, the decisions to go for it on fourth down by... Uh, Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers uh, there's a couple times where they could have opted for the field goal where they were inside the red zone and they did they decided to go for a touchdown because of the old adage to beat Patrick Mahomes you really got to get after him you really got to push him and score points and that just wasn't the case in this one uh, they end up coming up short I think it was at least a few of them probably three of them in the red zone two of them in the red zone there uh, where they ended up deciding to go for it not getting the field goal they get zero points on those trips i'm in the it i know that the analytics thing has a huge part of this and a lot of times you gotta go with the analytics but it's a it's a case-by-case situation and i mean after about the second one here we got to start thinking about getting points on the board and not coming up empty on a lot of these trips and i i do give them credit because if they're going to be an analytics team they're going to stick to the analytics regardless of the situation and regardless of how many times you miss it so uh, hats off to the Chargers there, but there's there's going to come times where it's going to come back to bite you, and this is just one of them, and it was in one of the biggest uh, games that they could have had this year. Moving forward, uh, this firmly puts the Chiefs in the driver's seat. I think they're the number one seed in the AFC currently, and 
that's huge. It's huge to get that first round by. It's huge to get a home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Uh, so th- that's something worth monitoring, whether or not they're going to maintain that for the remainder of the year. But I, I definitely think that the Chargers uh, are going to be a competitive team down the stretch here. I think they're going to still sneak into the playoffs as a wild card. It just it, it stinks to let one goal like this where you could have really took a, a command and take the lead in the AFC West and get in the driver's seat and possibly even fight for that number one seed in the AFC. And now they're going to be just fighting to get into the playoffs. So they let one slip through their fingers here. They end up splitting the division series on the year. But I don't think this hurts either team. I think it just shows that they're two of the better teams that we're going to see this entire year. And really shows that... Who, Who's the, who's the biggest dog in the AFC currently? So that's going to be it for our storylines. We're going to just jump right over to our unlikely hero of the week here as well. For this week's Jameis Winston Award winner, I knew what game I wanted to pick it from. I just never knew exactly who I was going to pick. But then as soon as you pull up the, the box score, it's, it's definitely clear who you needed to pick here. So going back to the game... The Lions won 30-12, to 12, and really the standout guy in the, our unlikely hero of the week is going to be Jared Goff. Uh, 21 for 26, 216 yards, three touchdowns, and really this wasn't even much of a game for most of it. The Lions kind of jumped out early and never let the Cardinals catch back up. And it's really a, it's a true testament to how Jared Goff took care of the football and really was an efficient passer. Uh, Jared Goff has really been getting dogged all year about how he's not uh, a competent starting quarterback, how uh, the Lions got fleeced. They gave up all this stuff for this guy that, that doesn't know how to play football. And really, they, the whole narrative around him not being able to win unless uh, Sean McVay is his head coach. And the last couple weeks here, he's looked pretty decent. He's looked great. Uh, he, he's looked like a competent starting quarterback in the league. He's really taken a step in the right direction and really proved to the Detroit Lions fans that he's the right guy for the job, at least for this year. So hats off to Jared Goff. And that's your unlikely, uh, excuse me, your Jameis Winston unlikely hero of the week. Next up here, we're going to get into our week 16 preview where we're going to make our picks for the games. I just wanted to give us a little bit of a screenshot of where we were last week. Uh, we were 10 and 6 last week, so we're back on the hot horse here. We've had a couple of really good back-to-back uh, weeks here. And also the, the big thing is as well is we're, we're really trying to start to figure out who teams are heading into the playoffs. So I think it's going to get a little bit easier. I think we're going to keep this going. So right leading off on Thursday night football, we get the San Francisco 49ers at the Tennessee Titans. The Niners are a little bit of a hot team here. They're, they're really coming into one. I, I believe they dropped one last week, but before that they'd rattled off a couple in a row. And the Tennessee on the flip side, they're, they're really struggling to put much of an output out there without Derrick Henry in the lineup. Uh, Derrick Henry's still not back. And I know the Niners are on the roll, but I'm taking them in this one. I think that this Tennessee defense isn't quite as good as everybody thinks they are. I think they're kind of a false advertisement here. And I really like what the the Niners can do running the ball. Kittle's really coming on. Uh, Debo, if he's healthy, is one of the most dynamic playmakers in this entire league. So give me the Niners on the road at Tennessee this week. Which brings us into the Saturday slate of games, and we get the Cleveland Browns at the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers clinched the NFC North last week, and uh, if you listen to all these teams talk, that's that's always your first goal is win your division, make sure you get in the playoffs. Now they're fighting for that one seed, and I think they got a lot to fight for. There's no not quite home field advantage like there is at Lambeau Field when it gets cold out. The frozen tundra is a, 
it's an intimidating place to come into. So I think that they're going to be really coming after these guys, and it's it's good. It's still outstanding to see who's going to be playing for the Cleveland Browns. They're coming off a really short week here, having their game get moved to early, later in the week. I believe it was on Tuesday. So we'll see what they can bring to this game, who's going to be playing. But give me the Green Bay Packers all the way. I think at home, Aaron Rodgers is almost invincible at this point. Uh, he's really vaunt, uh, launched himself into the MVP candidate uh, to go back-to-back here, and I just don't see an argument against it. I think he's going to be lights out. I think he's going to carve up this Cleveland secondary, and I don't think that they're going to be able to score. Cleveland's going to be able to score enough points to keep up with the Packers. So I'm going to take the Packers over the Browns. And then the next Saturday matchup, the Saturday night matchup, is going to be the Indianapolis Colts at the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals are really floundering as of late. Uh, they're really struggling to, to be a competitive football team. I know they're in every game, but they're not winning them. They're not rattling off wins. And in the stretch run here, when you're really you know, rounding out the season, this is where you really want to be able to hit your stride. This is where you really want to start taking games home, really establishing yourself as a, a convincing team coming into the playoffs. And I just don't see that with them currently. Uh, Kyler Murray hasn't been able to find his footing since coming back from the injury. And I just think this Colts team is extremely, extremely gritty on the ground. I think they get after it. And I really think they're going to get after the Cardinals this week. They're going to be able to control the clock, not turn the ball over. And they're going to grit out a win here in the desert. So give me the Colts over the Cardinals, as the Cardinals really haven't been that competent at home as well either. The first Sunday game that we're going to be taking a look at here is going to be the Detroit Lions at the Atlanta Falcons. And the Detroit Lions coming off a big win against the Arizona Cardinals last week. Atlanta Falcons uh, end up falling short last week as well, two to the 49ers. So I was wrong on that one originally. But uh, no, uh, when we're taking a look at this game, I, I think it's the Detroit Lions are kind of hot here. Don't look now, but they're really coming into this game with a full head of steam. They're really ad- established themselves as a physical football team. And I really don't know what this Atlanta team's identity is. They, they hung with the Niners for the first half, and then they end up losing in the second half. And I just I, I don't have a lot of faith in Matt Ryan anymore. I think if Jared Goff can take care of the ball, and especially I think he should be able to against a defense like this Atlanta Falcons once has, I think that the Lions really can pull this one out on the road. So I have a lot more faith in the Detroit Lions than I do with the Atlanta Falcons, and it's kind of been that way all year. So I'm going to roll with the Detroit Lions here over the Atlanta Falcons in a, in a low-scoring affair where they're going to grind it out and really control the clock against them. It are, excuse me, against Arthur Smith and company, which takes us into the next game here. It's going to be the Los Angeles Rams at the Minnesota Vikings. And don't look now, the Rams have rattled off a couple of big wins after losing to the Packers a few weeks back. And uh, they're starting to get in a groove here, especially defensively. I think that their defense is starting to show that they're a stout unit and they're, they're able to hold up some of these better offenses. And don't quote me on this, but I believe Thielen's missing the rest of the, the remainder of the year, or he got put on IR. So they're, they're in a little bit of trouble there. And I believe as we're recording this, uh, Dalvin Cook was ruled out for the game as well. So the, it's kind of putting the Minnesota Vikings in a tough position here against uh, an overachie- or excuse me, an overwhelming foe here in the Los Angeles Rams. So I'm going to take McVay and company. Uh, there's a rumor that Cam Akers is coming off the the pup list uh, in time for the playoffs here, so that's going to be some extra help coming down the road. Doubtful this week, I'd, I'd imagine, but I still like what uh, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Odell Beckham and company on that offense can do, 
and I believe their ceiling is much higher than the Vikings. So definitely taking the Rams over the Vikings. And that takes us right into the next matchup. It's going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New York Jets. And this is definitely going to be the winner of our most unwatchable game this week. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, we were thinking they were going to get a little bit of a bump uh, missing Urban Meyer last week, and they definitely didn't. They lost to a, a pretty poor Houston Texans team with Davis Mills at the helm last week. And, and we look at the flip side of this. The Jets have been just as bad. They're they're kind of all over the place on offense. At least they're getting Michael Carter back to full strength. Uh, I know he, he played a limited basis last week. But on the defensive side of things, I just don't really think there's many standout players here. I have a little bit more faith in Salah's defense in New York, but I know he's going to be missing the game, I believe, with COVID, unless he can clear pro- protocols before then. But uh, I... I when I look at this, I, I thought for sure if Jacksonville was going to get a big win, they were going to get it last week, and they came up really, really short. Uh, I'm flipping it around here, and I'm looking at the New York Jets. I, I mean, <laughs> I, keep falling, I keep flipping back and forth on this. I just don't really know where to go with it. This is just such a poor game that like, it, could, it could swing any direction at any point. If a team comes out and they score a couple touchdowns right in the first quarter, the other team might just fold it in and start playing for draft position. Uh, it, but it could go the other way as well, too. It could, they could become galvanized and come back from three scores down. Uh, it's it's pretty wild how bad these teams have been and how far they've swung each way. But give me the New York Jets. I'm going to take the New York Jets at home here. I think that they have a little bit more stability in the front office and the coaching uh, re- regime right currently with uh, Lafleur. Even though uh, Sal is missing the game here, I, I just I have a lot more faith in what they who they have running the show there compared to Jacksonville, who's kind of a cluster at the moment. And that's going to take us into an, our next game, a divisional East, excuse me, an NFC East divisional matchup, and it's going to be the Giants at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles got a big win over the the Washington Football Team, who was down big with a lot of COVID scratches, and Garrett Gilbert was running the show. Uh, when I look at this game. I believe Danny Dimes is going to be out again. So on offense, you're looking at pretty much Saquon Barkley and a couple of uh, receivers. And on the flip side of things, we have the Philadelphia Eagles with Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, uh, Boston Scott, that backfield committee there to pair with Devontae Smith and Dale Scotter being some big-time receiving targets. And on the defensive side of the ball, Philly's looked a lot better than a lot of people expected this year, especially that front seven as well. And on New York, they've been a tale of two tapes in the last couple of years. They've had stout defense last year, uh, abysmal defense this year. So I'm going to roll with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're going to make a very serious playoff push for that number seven spot. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get a little bit easier this week to make a case for them after they get a win against the New York Giants. And we get the, the highly touted... Uh, showdown from a couple weeks back the the win game with the bills and the patriots this time it's going to be at foxborough the bills come into town where mcdermott's facing off against bill belichick the last one like i said it was an absolute win battle ground game where i think mac they said only threw three passes the only, the entire game so i think it's gonna be much different um showdown this time i think you're gonna get a little bit better weather it'll probably still be a little frigid there in foxborough but I don't think it's going to be the same outcome here. I don't think that the Patriots are going to be able to just pound the rock down the Bills' throat like they did in the past. Uh, I know Damian Harris is shook up. Ramondre Stevens shook up. 
And when we look at it, I think the Bills are going to come in with a vengeance. I think they're going to be angry. And they have they got a much-needed win last week, much-needed. And they're getting back in the right column here. I think that they're going to shake another one out here. And the Patriots are going to start losing the grip that they have on the AFC East there. So give me the Bills over the Patriots this week to even the series out. And the next highly division, or excuse me, highly touted divisional matchup is going to be the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are currently in the lead for the AFC North. Um, Lamar sat out last week against Green Bay, but I think that I, I actually called this earlier in the week was that they're going to sit him against Green Bay so that they can keep him fresh for these AFC North games. And uh, Lamar's been really good against the AFC North. He's he's really able to utilize his legs within the division there. And the the Ravens are going to try to pound the rock like they always do. But I just think overall that this Bengals team is more complete. Uh, they haven't been as ravaged by injuries as the Baltimore Ravens have on the defensive side of the ball. And with Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, and company, they're really able to rush the passer and make that back end look a lot better. So I'm going to roll with Joe Burrow at home. I think they're going to get a win, and they're going to really be in the driver's seat after this one for winning the AFC North. And that takes us to the next matchup here. Chargers against the Houston Texans at the Houston Texans. And really, the Houston Texans get a win last week, but at this point, the Jacksonville Jaguars, like I mentioned before, they just can't even be counted as a legitimate win. Um, Davis Mills looked efficient. He looked competent. I don't really think he's the answer moving forward. I, I Honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure what they're doing starting him. Uh, they shouldn't have even picked him in the first place, but I guess if he's the guy, you're going to find out here in the next few weeks. And on the flip side of things, the Chargers lost a heartbreaker to the, the Kansas City Chiefs. I think this can be a huge get-right week for them. It sounds like Austin Eckler might miss this one with some COVID issues. Uh, I don't think that really derails them that much. They can kind of committee it up with uh, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly in the backfield there and Larry Roundtree. Uh, I think the the driving force behind this entire team is Justin Herbert. And when he's outstanding, they win football games. And I have... High expectations of him being incredibly outstanding this week. So give me the Chargers over the Texans, which plays right into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. As mentioned earlier as well, the Buccaneers lost uh, a very ugly one to the New Orleans Saints in a divisional matchup. And it sounds like on the other side of things that the Carolina Panthers are going to be rolling out two quarterbacks. Cam's starting the game, but they are fully expected to play Sam Darnold throughout it. And I can tell you right now that's always a recipe for disaster. I don't, at this level for the NFL, I think starting two quarterbacks and not letting a guy get into a rhythm and get the the calls in and basically get this camaraderie built with his offensive line and his receivers, is it's too big of a factor and it's it's not going to play out well. I think they've really botched this situation. And I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the Carolina Panthers and I won't be surprised uh, to see Tom come out really guns blazing and get a big lead in this one. So give me the Buccaneers over the Carolina Panthers. Which leads us into our first afternoon game. It's going to be the Chicago Bears at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, when I look at this one, um, Seattle's been extremely underwhelming this year. And uh, it sounds like Russ is playing showcase games to basically let everybody know he's still got it. He's ready to play somewhere else next year. And on the other side of things, I think Matt Nagy's almost just kind of a lame duck uh, head coach at this point. So when I look at it, who has more to play for in this one? Give me the Seattle Seahawks. I think there's a lot of guys on this team that have something to prove between Russell Wilson, Rashad Penny, 
And even DK Metcalf, who has looked like a shell of himself for most of the year. So I just think that the Seahawks playing at home are going to have a ton more to play for the Chicago, than the Chicago Bears. Uh, Justin Fields has been a turnover machine this year, and Matt Nagy continues to not do him favors. So I have serious concerns about their team moving forward. But give me the Seahawks in this showdown. And another game that might have some playoff implications here is going to be the Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders. So Denver Broncos, uh, I believe they dropped a game last week. Uh, let me just double check to make sure. But yeah, they lost a, They lost one to the, uh, the Bengals last week. And they come into this one, really need to win to keep themselves inside the playoff picture. Uh, I think Vic Fangio could really use some positive news in making the playoffs there. I know I know they lost Teddy Bridgewater. He was actually carted off. It sounds like he's going to be all right, and he's uh, getting released from the hospital either today or yesterday. And really, I think this comes down to the fact that the, the Denver Broncos are a much better ball control defensive team than what the Las Vegas Raiders can put out there on offense or defense. So I think just by that alone, I'm going to take the Broncos over the Raiders and that's mainly just because I know the Raiders can put up points in bunches, but they're not going to be able to stop this this uh, Broncos ground attack, I, I believe. And they're really going to run it all over them, control the clock, and they're going to get the few stops that they need on the defensive side of the ball, the Broncos, that is, against the Raiders. And uh, Derek Carr has definitely come crashing back to earth in recent weeks. So give me the Broncos over the Raiders this week which is going to lead us into a showdown with the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Kansas City Chiefs. And really, the, the main thing with this one is is that the Steelers have been, you know, playing above their, their weight class all year. Uh, they're an over 500 team, and when you watch them play, you definitely wouldn't think that. Uh, Najee Harris has been as good, has been as, good as, as expected, but Ben has really looked like a shell of his former self, and he's really just a game manager at this point. He's not really able to push much down the field, not really able to target those seams in the middle of the field either. And on the defensive side of the ball, it's really come undone a couple of times, different times this year. And I have serious concerns for them outside of TJ Watt, who just seems to be a one-man wrecking crew. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't really know if the recipe to stop them really isn't out there. It's just a matter of if Patrick Mahomes wants to take that to win games. Last week, he took that. He took the shallow stuff. He took the intermediate stuff and really worked the ball methodically down the field to score touchdowns, to put points on the board. I mean, the guy had 400 yards. What the big thing is, is he wasn't getting the shot plays that he likes where he, he breaks the pocket, makes a couple guys miss, and really hits Tyreek Hill for like a 40, 50, 60-yard bomb. That stuff's not going to be there if these teams can continue to play them like they are. And as long as Pat Mahomes can take care of the ball and really just take what the defense gives him, I think that they can keep rattling off these wins, and their defense is most definitely getting hot at the right time, as they were a, one of the bottom feeder units in, for the first you know six to seven weeks of the season, and they've really come on strong here. I know Spagnuolo really likes those high pressure schemes, and it's been a high risk, high reward, and most of the time it's been a reward for them lately. So give me the Chiefs over the Steelers here, as they continue to hit their stride, which gives us a Sunday night matchup of the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Washington football team were was ravaged by COVID last week. They ended up getting their game moved. Didn't help them at all as they ended up falling to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think it's going to be much more of the same here. I don't think they have enough firepower on defense with uh, Chase Young out and really with how that secondary has performed for most of the year. 
And I know Montez Sweat's missed some time as of late, but it's I think he's back now. Uh, don't quote me on that one, but I believe he's back, so you're going to get a little bit of help. But I just think that the Cowboys are going to figure it out here one of these weeks. Dax had a ton of underwhelming games as of late where he's only throwing for like 200 yards, maybe one touchdown and a, one or two interceptions. And that's just not characteristic of how he's normally playing. He's not a game manager type. He's really able to get what he wants, pushing the ball down the field and really spreading it around to Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper and all these different guys they got for that offense. So they're going to get hot one of these weeks, and I think it's going to be this one, especially after they kind of got embarrassed in their last outing against Washington. So give me the Dallas Cowboys, and I think it could get ugly, and it could be ugly pretty quick. Which takes us into the Monday night showdown. And, I mean, where these teams were about four or five weeks ago, who would have thought that this had some serious playoff implications? But don't look now. The, the Miami Dolphins are 500, and I believe as are the Saints. Yeah, they're 7-7. Seven and seven. So we're getting a big-time matchup here of teams that need to win to, keep, to continue to be in. And I'm just going to lead off with it. I'm leading towards the Miami Dolphins in this one. I was so high on their defense coming into this year. I think they... They have some special talent on that side of the ball and what they're able to do to force turnovers. And it seems like Jalen Phillips was the right pick there as he's really started coming on as of late as well. And when I look at the flip side of things, Ian Book is starting for the New Orleans Saints. And I know <laughs> he's definitely, I mean, Jameis Winston is not by any means a top tier quarterback. Neither is Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. But Ian Book is nowhere near their level, I believe. I, I don't really understand the-, the selection of him in the fourth round for this team if they weren't going to play him to begin with. So he's finally going to get his shot to show what he's got, and I just don't believe in this, especially against the stout defense that this Miami team has. So give me Miami, and I think they're going to get a huge win on the road uh, playing against the Saints. So that's going to be it for this slate of games. As always, make sure you follow along. Uh, We're always making our picks, holding myself accountable, listening to our record from the week previous. So make sure you tune in next week to see what we got and see how we did. So that's going to be it for this week's show. Uh, I tried to keep it brief for you guys just because I know it's been crazy between holiday parties for me and uh, with my work schedule. So I'm sure it's just about the same for everybody else. Uh, as always, I really, really do appreciate you guys tuning in. It's, it's, it's great that I know that I got some listeners out there that take some time out of their day to listen to me and their, their daily commute or whatever they do while they, they listen to this pod. But make sure you hit subscribe. We'll be back next week with our usual format with storylines, picks, and uh, one extra segment that we'll come up with sometime between now and then. But happy holidays to everyone. We'll see you next week.